Voice Talks presented by Google Assistant is happening each month. You'll hear from industry experts, voice-first influencers, and platform creators each month for a deep dive into our rapidly evolving voice industry. Plus, get your questions answered and a chance to win prizes. Hosted by Sophia Altuna, one of Google Assistant's top industry experts and a leader on the Global Product Partnerships team, we encourage you to register for this free event and join us at voicesummit.ai slash talks. That's voicesummit.ai slash talks. We can't wait to see you there. Colleen Fahey is the U.S. Managing Director at CZM Sone and has had a passion for audio branding for a long time. She talks about what she noticed was happening in Europe with audio branding and why they adopted audio branding first, how an audio brand can be used, how to bring a visual brand to life via audio, and how her company has helped large brands such as Huggies and Michelin. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Kerry Roberts. And today, my guest is Colleen Fahey. She is the Managing Director at CZM Sone. Welcome, Colleen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Kerry. I'm delighted to be part of your podcast. Yes. And I want to start off with something that you wrote that I thought was really beautifully written. You had said that as consumers move off pages and onto devices, brands must create tailored audio identities and treat them as coherent systems. When I realized that this was happening all over Europe, but had barely touched the U.S., I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my career, create distinctive, memorable, coherent audio architecture for brands, in short, audio branding. And you said for the rest of your career. Can you speak more about this passion of audio branding? Well, first, I want to say that I have had a long career. I know this will be my last big career initiative, but I did. I just fell in love with it at first sight. I was in the Audio Branding Congress in about 2011 or 12, and it was the first time that I had ever heard of the idea of being as disciplined with your sound as brands are with their colors, typefaces, and logos. And the idea was such a big idea to me. And I felt that nobody was handling it with that kind of, you know, rigor, discipline and sort of artistry in the United States. And at the time, marketing was going down a very tactical path. People were into QR codes and virtual worlds and all kinds of sort of shiny object tactics which was not interesting to me. I really wanted to work on a strategic level, but I am a creative director. So I also like to have the creative aspects as part of my career. So when I saw that there were people using creative strategically in the world of sound, I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. And what happened was something big occurred later, which was what I never realized when I was saying, you know, as consumers move off pages and onto devices, I didn't realize that a few years later, I'd be saying as consumers move off keyboards and into pure voice interactions, brands must create tailored sonic identities. So it's gotten more important than it was when I started, and it was already important then. I love that. And I'm curious, what did you notice was happening in Europe with audio branding at the time, and why do you think they adopted it faster than the U.S.? There are many audio brands being used in Europe, and I had seen them, and I'd seen their work at the Audio Branding Congress. One of the most gorgeous ones was something used by the French National Railway that signaled an announcement. 
but it also was the door opening, and it was also in the TV commercials, the same DNA carried through, and it was on the telephone hold music, and it was integrated into even the robotic trash can. So I just saw this beautiful coherence that had a language of its own that people understood. So instead of saying, ladies and gentlemen, listen up, you know, you just hear this little signal in the train station that was kind of calming, reassuring, but attention getting. It did the job so much more efficiently and elegantly than using a voice or a buzzer or a beep. So that was the things that really impressed me. But the reason I believe that Europe got into this faster than the United States is that for Europe, for a European company to get a market as big as the United States, they have to market in many, many languages. So for them, it's kind of logical that they might want to have a universal language that people kind of understand, like music, whereas in the United States, there's an assumption that everybody's speaking the same language. That's an important point. That also just shows how sometimes the U.S. feels so entitled. I think you're right. I never thought about that, that you need something that everyone's going to understand. And there is the assumption that in the U.S. people all speak the same language, but that's certainly not true. It's increasingly not true, but there's still the assumption in marketing for sure. Unless you have huge budgets and you can start going to smaller language groups. And I want to say, it's funny because you're the second person who has mentioned France, right? Is that what you said? The French railway? It's their sound? Right. Yeah. You're the second person that mentioned how much they like it. In France, 98% of people can identify it on the first two notes. It's well done and it's very famous in Europe because the French National Railroad also goes into other countries. So it's well known outside of France also. I chose a French company to open in the United States. So I'm very aware of what's going on in France. There were wonderful cases presented at the Audio Branding Academy also that were, one was for the city of, I'm going to guess, Vienna maybe, and one was for a bank in Germany. So the whole spectrum, the whole of different kinds of companies and organizations was represented. I think that's great. And, you know, we've had a few other sonic branding, audio branding people, you know, in the space on this show. What makes how your company does audio branding unique? Well, the most important thing is that we are branding people and designers, brand designers, but we don't work in visual design. We work in auditory design. We are 100% focused on branding. We have a branding methodology and um, we've worked on over 400 brands. So we think about brands and all of our staff, the composer, sound designer staff, as well as our strategists are in-house. So we move them around to different brands of different types so they get very well-versed in how to think about it. So you might work on a toothpaste, you might work on an energy company, then you might work on a toy company, and you get to begin to be more fluent in the language of brands because it's all done in-house in teams by creative teams. People don't feel that this is mine because you often are working with other people who might say, hey, this theme sounds great, but the other part's too complicated. They work together to fashion these brands. So that's the most important thing because I think a lot of people use freelancers. A lot of the freelancers don't come from the branding world, but they're musicians. And musicians are good at music, but they're not always perfect for thinking about how will this brand last 10 years? How will this brand be able to eke its way into off of commercials and into telephone hold music and into a voice skill and into tiny little sounds for my device? There's a particular way you have to think when you're thinking about branding. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm a brand person myself, so I 100% agree. There's so much more that goes into it. And I like that you're kind of pointing out that it's not just about sound or music, that there's that brand component as well. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how an audio brand can be used because for people that are not in the space, a lot of people can't visualize it. So can you share with us some ideas of how and why it could work for a company? So different clients come to us with different entry points into this audio branding world. So one might be to create a huge booth for a launch of something at a expo. And one might come to us because they're rebranding and they're launching a whole new campaign. Another one might have a new drug that they're putting back into the marketplace and they want to convey what's different about this drug or what their intentions are with this drug without making claims. People come to us with a variety of needs, but we always take them back to, okay, what does the competitive marketplace look like? Where are the white spaces? How do you stand out from your competition? And then what are your values and your personality that you want to convey into the marketplace? So from there, we create a DNA for the brand that ends in the audio logo. And that becomes like an audio style guide for your TV campaign your social media library of sounds and transitions. So you have your own branded sounds for all the video content you're putting out into the world or podcast content. You might be running a huge meeting, maybe with a World Health Organization, and then you want to have walk-in music and you want to have rise to the stage music. You want to have a huge brand video that introduces the idea. You often have people calling because that's the only human contact they have with companies that are in the digital space. So how does the brand convey itself when they are on hold? Do they need to be listening to Vivaldi? Or would you like to be saying something that relates to your brand? And then what are the sounds in your devices and in your apps? So we've recently completed you know, something for a headphone and auditory company. Like what's the sound of on and off? And battery low and connecting that is your sound that doesn't sound like a tinny technological cold piece of stock sound that you can pick up somewhere it's really something about you and your brand but then it can go into fun little things too like the ringtones on your salespeople's phones or that you could give away to your consumers so it's really about creating a universe for your brand that gets richer and richer as time goes by. Yeah, I think those are really good examples. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's just for like one thing. But as we talk about with voice, you know, audio branding is the same. You know, we use sound in a lot more places than we think. I mean, even your description of how the French Railway does it, you said even like the robotic garbage cans to the doors to commercials. I mean, they're using it throughout. So you're constantly hearing it and you're saying most of the people in the country can name it within the first two sounds. And I think that's so important for a brand, especially as we're going into voice, because you can't see things. So you have to be able to hear it if you're not on a multimodal device. Which brings me to another point. Your company has received countless awards and you've created sonic brands for large organizations and companies like Huggies and Michelin. Can you share with us some of your process in working with a very large company that maybe doesn't have a sonic brand yet, but they have a big visual brand? Like, What do you do in that process where you're looking at a very strong visual brand and bringing that to life versus a company that maybe doesn't have one as much? So it's very helpful when a company has gone through the process of creating a good, powerful visual brand 
So the very first thing you want to know is why did you make that decision? Why did you choose red over blue or something? What was in your mind? Why is it so iconic looking or bold? Why is it so delicate? What are the thought processes that went into this? Because it's going to inform us about the values that you think are important. And then the next thing you have to do is say, okay, do we want to say the exact same thing the visual logo is saying to emphasize that? Or do we want to add a new message? Like maybe the visual logo can't say that we're full of warmth and community spirit. So you can be complementary to the visual brand. So that's an interesting choice, whether you want to be exactly as the visual brand or you want to complement it and add a new message. And then they're very familiar and comfortable with our process because they've already gone through the branding process with some other agency, you know, like Interbrand or Landor or Future Brand. All the big ones use pretty much the same process. So as I was saying, there's the steps of the competitive analysis. And then there's a mood board process. And the mood board process, we make it very inclusive. That helps bring in different parts of the company that might be warring factions otherwise. But we say, okay, this is your values. You say that your values are, let's say, warmth and hospitality and community support. So let's explore music that says that. And then here's some other values. You're saying that you have leadership and authority. Let's explore music that says that. And then let's explore music that says the last thing, that you're eclectic and surprising. Okay, so now you have three different kinds of music that you're exploring. So we make snippets of music from all around the world, our strategists do this, that try to make clear that message. But you might get to some place where you've said, here's a mood board for leadership and authority, and you start with one snippet of music, and it's like, boom, boom, boom. And they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not our kind of leadership and authority. We're more confident than that. We're more quietly confident than that. Okay, well, let's listen to another one. Let's listen to another one. And you go through these mood boards and you get closer and closer to what they actually mean by the words they're saying. So they get a much more subtle understanding of their brand. And you don't use any of this music ever again. You just toss it out. But you first use it to brief the creative team. So... You know, this tempo was too fast, this so it felt too bossy. They didn't like this kind of voice because it seemed too forward and attention getting. But they did like voices when they were choral or that kind of thing. And it's not really what they like, it's what they feel relates to their brand. And it's amazing how you can find that people who maybe have competition inside the company or not good relationships often understand the brand very similarly when you get to that level of subtlety. Then we take all that input, create a a brief, a creative brief. By that time, we have guardrails, and then we start composing. And then the compositions, usually we present three or four compositions, and those are concepts. People often, you know, reject one almost immediately and, you know, gather around their two favorites and then make changes and revisions. Then we start refining them, and once there's a final approval, Then we start doing all the adaptations that we were talking about, like the music library for the content creators, the transitions, intros, intros, and different moods, or, you know, the telephone hold music or the radio. So one of the things about our process that works for large and complex companies is that people do feel included and they do get a chance to talk about what's important to them about their brand. So one reason this works for complex companies 
is that it involves a lot of people from different departments and even sometimes their most trusted agency, which may or may not be their advertising agency. By the end, they've been represented. Whether they spoke or whether it was a representative from their department that was part of it, they know that it wasn't created in a vacuum. For doing a brand for a hospital, for instance, we had people from patient experience. We had people from the cancer center. We had a nurse who was very interested that the sounds not sound anything like any of the machines and the beeps and things that they get in the hospital environment, as well as the marketing people and the agency. Even the agency doesn't feel that music's been thrust upon them because they were part of the process of developing it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I've been talking to a lot of people on this show and outside and and really talking about inclusivity. And I like that you're saying even from a sonic brand perspective, you're making sure that all the pieces of a company that are important in the everyday are having some sort of say in this so there is a unified sound. So I love that you guys make an effort to do that as well. Thanks. The last question we like to ask on this show to help promote voice as a whole is what is a current flash briefing or voice skill or experience that you use and really enjoy right now? Well, I actually use play music for children. (laughs) That's my go-to one. It's not a professional one, but I'm often taking care of a one-year-old grandchild while I'm working. And so that's probably the one I'm using the most right now. But I'm also working on developing our own. No, it's funny because it's, you know, people we have on this show, you know, to hear what they use personally versus the stuff they do professionally. It's it's an interesting mix. You have some people that really like the games, some people that like the sound, some people that like the cooking. So it's interesting to see from a consumer standpoint, how people use voice of their own. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you or they want to learn more about what we talked about, where can they do that? Well, our name is a little hard to spell. So I think I'll give you my personal email, Colleen. Fahey at gmail.com. Write me and then I'll send you a link. C-O-L-L-E-E-N-E for Elizabeth Fahey, F-A-H-E-Y at gmail.com. And um, by all means, connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for sharing you know your insight into what you're doing in sound design and for bringing your passion into this. And I look forward to hearing more in the future. Thank you. I'll be looking forward to hearing about you in the future too. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.